Well, I'm excited this morning to be sharing this message with you. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't have your Bibles, pull out your phone, your nuclear radioactive Bible. If not, it's going to be up on the screen. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Words can bring life. They can bring freedom. They can bring hope. They can bring restoration. But at the same time, words can bring death. They can bring persecution. They can bring despair. They can bring division. So how do we navigate this life following Jesus, being mindful of what we speak and how we respond? This morning, I want to endeavor to answer that question. And the title of my message this morning is, what did you say? Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for the moments that we are about to share together. God, I pray that we would not leave this place the same, that we would be attuned to what you want to say to us this morning. God, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive. God, we pray for the country of Sri Lanka. God, we pray for its people. And we're just believing in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of chaos, God, that people would know that you are still sovereign, that you reign over all. God, we thank you that this week was the beginning of the resurrection of the Brisbane Broncos and that they were the only Queensland team to win this weekend. In your mighty name, amen. At our Passover observance Thursday, a gentleman came up to me, this is no joke, and he said, this Resurrection Sunday is for the Brisbane Broncos, and and they were late to the party last week, but this week they are on the road to glory, amen. And uh, if you care about sport, you're with me. If you don't care about sport, well, then you have to indulge me for the next few moments. At the start of April... Sarah, my wife, and I celebrated our first wedding anniversary, and um, she's awesome. She's away this weekend, uh, being the life of the party in Perth, and uh, it's really interesting, as you're married, you you work out different things, not only about yourself, but your respective husband or wife. And Sarah and I, we, we have a lot of things that are not in common, We share a common interest in the love of God, the love of church, seeing people encounter Jesus and having their lives change. We love music. We love gardening. But on pretty much everything else, we we are different. I'm a classic introvert. I'm happy with my own company. I don't need people to keep me entertained. I'm happy just being by myself. Sarah is a classic extrovert. She is the life of every party that she attends. She makes sure sure that people know that she's there. I'm content sticking to plans. I'm content sticking to my schedule. I have the same routine every morning, waking up at six o'clock, turning on CNN to watch a specific program and then having my breakfast over it. Sarah's the opposite. She changes routine like every day. She doesn't worry about the plans. She doesn't worry about what is penciled in. She will just do what comes at a whim. And Sarah has this amazing ability to, to turn everything in life into this adventure. We will be on our way to uh, grocery shopping. We'll be on our way to one of our parents' houses. And all of a sudden, we are taking this detour to go and do something else, to to go and have fun somewhere else. And it's funny, throughout that first year of marriage, you know, no, no extreme is necessarily healthy. 
and we, we slowly begin to, to work towards a middle, a, a healthy center. And this transformation takes place when we're in relationship with each other, when we do life together. And how I respond today, how I interact with people and situations is totally different since getting married. But how we interact and respond to situations and people should also change when we live a life following Jesus. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and it's probably going to be one of the most read passages of the Bible this year in church, the Apostle Paul writes, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, as we live a life following Jesus, our response to life should change because our human state is evolving. That is to say that the more time we spend following Jesus, getting to know Jesus, the more we are going to think, respond and act like him. You see, we experience this life-changing moment, salvation, and we begin this process of having our lives transformed. The Bible, it's referred to theologically as sanctification, that every day we would become more refined and draw closer to how God intended us to be. So we live our lives renewing our minds and allowing Jesus to guide the change. But the risk that exists is limiting the scope of that change, that we're prepared for for Jesus to change this one portion of our life here where we're comfortable and not necessarily another portion over here where we're happy to just stay how we are. That we're we're happy to accept the change in our situation and in our circumstance, but sometimes we're reluctant to allow ourselves to be changed, our character, our resolve, our very being to change. It's like, God, change my financial situation. Help me bring provision, bring provision to me but we're not prepared to change how we manage our finances. It's like, God, change my relationship situations. Let me be, uh, have a better situation with my wife or with my husband. But sometimes we're hesitant to change how we interact with the people that we love. You know, Jesus was just as interested in changing your very being as he was your circumstance. As our circumstances change, so too must our human condition. When I think about the transformation that takes place as we follow Jesus, I can't help but think of the way we have conversations with people, the words that we say, the words that we speak, what comes from our mouth. And ultimately, our response to life is to become inherently different as we follow Jesus. And this includes how we talk. You know, I think I grew up in the last of the era of sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt you. I don't know if it's around anymore, but, you know, I I believe actions will hold more weight than words, but but words themselves, there is so much importance and so much power in the confession of our words. They hold life and death. And I love James, Jesus' brother, reveals how as we are being transformed by Jesus, living a life following Jesus, how we should respond to situations, how we should interact with people as Christians 
being changed in the likeness of Jesus. In James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20, he says this, My dearest brothers and sisters, take this to heart. Be quick to listen, but slow to speak. And be slow to become angry, for human anger is never a legitimate tool to promote God's righteous purpose. In our lives as we follow Jesus, being transformed by him, living in the world but not of it, we must be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. When you think about where we're at as a society at the moment, I think it's reasonable to say that we don't practice any of these, that we actually don't even bother listening. We are quick to reach a point of anger. We are quick to respond. And quite often, even as Christians, our immediate response is outrage. Have you noticed that? That whether it's political, whether it's social, whether it's religious, or just a matter of unpopular opinion, we see this immediate response of society prepared to label the unpopular opinion or the contradictory opinion as bigotry. You know, this morning as I was getting out of the car, at church, I saw this great quote from G.K. Chesterton, which was that he was a Catholic uh, a preacher, Catholic minister. And he says this, The homeless intellectualism of any unhappy age often uses the term bigot for anyone who is sure that he is right and other people are wrong. Every sane man ought to be sure that he is right, and if he is right, then those who contradict him are wrong. You know, you're not necessarily a bigot by expressing a different opinion. Though the world may yell these terms at you, if you're right, you're right. If you're wrong, you're wrong. That There is no need to label. There is no need to slander. And as Christians, as we are transformed, our immediate response should not be outrage. Our immediate response should not be dictated to by the world. Now, as a disclaimer this morning, I'm not suggesting that we don't respond that as Christians we just cop the criticism and we wear it and we sit on the sidelines, but rather how we respond should be different. It should not be the way that the world would respond. Remember, we are being transformed, not just our situations, not just our relationships, not just financially, not just our jobs or our family situations, but our very being, including our response. We look at the, the first thought that James brings up here, as we're being transformed by Jesus, quick to listen. Our ability to listen is key in any relationship that we have, whether it's at work, whether it's with our friends or our family, whether it's at school or university. And there are varying levels of listening. There is active listening and passive listening. Passive listening, you're just nodding your head to what is being said, but ultimately what is going in one ear is flying out the other. And active listening is where you are responding to what is being said. You're engaging in the conversation. And I think that God desires us to be active listeners to Him. And also be active listeners to the world that we can provide a heavenly response when we are quick to listen and slow to speak. I love this encounter that Jesus has in Luke chapter 10 with two women And it says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And 
she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to him, listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Jesus ends up responding to Martha and says, well, actually, Mary has chosen the good thing. Mary has chosen the good portion. And sometimes I think that the good portion is actually taking a moment to stop and to be quick to listen, to not occupy ourselves with tasks, to not occupy ourselves with being busy. Because in a world that is vying for our attention, do we have moments where we just stop and listen? Not only to the world, not only to our friends and family to build meaningful relationships, but to God. You know, I think if we're all honest this morning, we would happily and, and openly say that we're all busy. It's like the immediate response when you're in a conversation with someone, inevitably it'll get to a point of how busy are you, what, what's on at work, how busy is work, what are you doing, how you, what's your time management like? But you see, busy will actually rob us of the moments of life that we were intended to experience. That is a conversation and a relationship with Jesus. And it's just a, a simple matter of prioritizing our moments. Maybe it's changing the morning routine. Maybe instead of turning CNN on first thing in the morning and watching Jake Tapper, my immediate thing should be to read the Word of God. Or maybe at night it's not necessarily reading your favorite fiction author or watching your favorite show on Netflix, but rather it's picking up and consuming the Word of God to create a moment where we stop doing, stop occupying ourselves with task and busy and choose to hear the words and the teachings of Jesus. And not just necessarily in an audible sense. I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home and I think at the age of six I made a decision to follow Jesus. And in that that 21-year period of being a Christian, I don't think I've heard the audible voice of God. And that's okay because I think it would actually freak me out. It's like people are like, I want to hear from God. It's like, really? Do you really want to hear the audible voice of God? How crazy would that be? I would probably respond initially with fear and then a bit of skepticism. It's like, really, is this just God or is this my mind playing tricks on me? But I can hear from God by, by absorbing the written word, by reading what God has inspired people to write in the Bible I can have the same conversation that could take place in an audible sense. You know, it's funny. You hear Christians say, I want to hear from God. And we're seeking this enriched life of following Jesus. But sometimes we we don't even pick up the Bible to to see what he's saying, to read what he's saying. And as I mentioned on current trends, my, my generation will be the last one that is Bible literate, the last generation that understands the workings and the teachings of Jesus because people just simply aren't picking up their Bibles, which is just devastating. You know, people are searching for truth and searching for something to fill the void in their life. We have so much knowledge as a society, yet we have never been more medicated as a society for mental health conditions. Because we're searching to fill the void and in our searching we we enter a path that doesn't lead to life but just leads to death and destruction. But when we search for the fulfilment of Jesus, when we find the fulfilment of Jesus, 
we live the satisfied life. We experience the satisfaction that so many people are searching for. Psalm 109 verse 115 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The Bible, the the word of God guides us in how we should respond as we are being transformed by Jesus. You want to navigate the complexities of this world. You want to understand how to navigate the social constructs of this world. Be quick to listen, whether it's audibly or whether it's just by reading your Bibles. Actively listening to God will empower you to live the life that He's called you to live. More so, the ability to listen to people in your world will will change dramatically. Your friendships are, are impacted, your relationships are strengthened, your professional ability is enhanced when we are quick to listen. We look at this second idea of being slow to speak and I love Jesus was so deliberate in his conversations and in his encounters with people, especially when it came to responding. Encounter after encounter, Jesus' questions and his responses to people changed not only circumstances, but also their lives. In John chapter 8, Jesus is on his way to the temple and all the people came to him and sat and listened as he taught. And the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. And placing her in his midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say, Jesus? They said this to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. As they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin be the first to throw the stone at her. We have this encounter full of accusation. Actually, it's beyond accusation. They've caught this lady in the very act. And her life now hangs in the balance. Literally, people are waiting to stone her to death. And the immediate response of Jesus is silence. Quick to listen slow to speak. You want to see the power of life and death in the tongue? Well, here is the the perfect example. And I think the posture of Jesus speaks volumes to how we should respond to people that are throwing accusation at others, that we choose to be down in the dirt with the people that are being ridiculed, that we are down in the dirt with the people that are being shamed and made to feel guilty down in the dirt with people who would say that they are experiencing the lowest point of their life. You can imagine the fear, the guilt, the shame, the uncertainty that this lady is experiencing as she waits for someone to declare whether she is to live or whether she is to die. And the thoughtful response of Jesus, though slow, saves her life. When outrage is our immediate response When we are too quick to speak, we don't speak of redemption. We don't speak of grace. We don't speak of the second chance that is available to all of us through Jesus. We don't speak love. But when we pause, we allow God's wisdom to speak through us. We allow for His compassion to speak through us and His correction to speak through us. I love at the end of 
this encounter that Jesus has, he, he says to the, the woman, go, therefore, neither do I condemn you, therefore go and sin no more. And I love in that moment that, that she experiences the compassion of heaven, but also the correction that comes with it. That when we are, are slow to speak, that we can speak compassion and we can speak correction. You see, by being slow to speak, there is a weight behind it. And you can picture the, the people as they're just leaning in, waiting for Jesus to respond. When you're slow to speak, there are no wasted words. Rather, they are inspired by heaven. Freedom come. Lives are changed as much as circumstance. You, you could imagine this woman leaving now free of accusation. Her circumstance has just changed dramatically. And her life, I think, would have been so impacted by Jesus. And it's the same in John chapter 19. Jesus stands before Pilate, awaiting crucifixion. And Pilate is trying to have this conversation with Jesus. And the immediate response of Jesus, again, is silence. Pilate is having a monologue. He's he's just partaking in a monologue. He's just talking and Jesus isn't responding. And in the delayed response by Jesus, his delayed response moves Pilate so much that Pilate then decides that he should release Jesus. When you're slow to speak, freedom comes. Of course, the Jewish crowd, the mob are yelling that that is unacceptable, that you can't acknowledge a king other than Caesar and Jesus still needs to be crucified. But when Jesus is slow to speak, when we are slow to speak, being transformed by Jesus, freedom comes comes. Circumstances are changed as much as lives. You know, the mob has been yelling for thousands of years and they will continue to yell until the day that Jesus returns. They were yelling before Jesus. They were yelling when Jesus walked the earth and they continue to yell after the resurrection of Jesus. But that doesn't mean that we participate. That our point of difference being transformed by God is that we are quick to listen and slow to speak and that we are slow to anger. I love coming to church on Sundays and whenever Grego Sullivan is up on the platform, I think he's one of my favourite presenters because he is so deliberate in what he he says, in, in what he delivers from here. He's so thoughtful in the words that he speaks and I think everything he speaks is inspired by heaven. And I find myself leaning in, just waiting for the the new idea or the new perspective that Greg brings. You know, he doesn't speak at a thousand words a second, but he is so deliberate, he is so aware that by waiting, by being slow to speak, that the inspiration of heaven can speak through us. We look at this third idea as we're being transformed in, in what we say and how we respond slow to anger. And James alludes to the two types of anger that exist in our world. We have human anger and we have righteous anger. Now, human anger is our emotional response to situations and things. And righteous anger is the response of God or Jesus to situations in the world, to sin. God is angry because people sin. God has this anger when he sees people suffering. And we see Jesus angry with the religious leaders, with the Pharisees in the temple, who he says has turned the temple into a den of robbers. 
Now, 99.9% of our responses as humans will be human anger. We might try and justify that our anger is righteous, but really it's unlikely to be. Peter Patterson, uh, a gentleman that comes to our church and is key in our involvement in Sri Lanka, shared a video yesterday on Facebook from one of the pastors whose church was bombed in Sri Lanka. And it was really interesting. He, he said he was angry at the situation, but he extended the love and compassion and, and grace of Jesus towards these suicide bombers and their families. And I think that there at times are these expressions of righteous anger where we can be angry at these ungodly situations, these heartbreaking situations, but our response isn't to, to remain angry as humans, but our response is to be slow to speak of compassion and love and grace and forgiveness. Angry, being angry makes us do irrational things. Our ability to think, to speak, to respond to situations is so adversely affected, we begin to make poor decisions. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, it says, But don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. That is to say that our human emotions can lead us further from God as well as further to God. Don't let anger control you or fuel your revenge, not even for a day. You know, I, my hard... Uh, what, what's the word? My ability to do uh, labour-intensive work is minimal. I sit in front of a computer all day, responding to angry people on social media, and my handyman ability is somewhat limited. So at times, I can find myself absolutely frustrated and angry at a situation I find myself in if I'm trying to be a handyman, if I'm trying to fix something, or on, on Tuesday, Wednesday, I was putting in a new tank pad and it was a nightmare. I'm trying to get the ground level and it's slowly sloping and I'm like, this is ridiculous. How do people do this for a living? I'm digging this hole and I think it was suitable and it looks level. I did use a spirit level, by the way. But I was so angry, I start throwing timber sleepers. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm digging and digging and digging and it's still not level. And it's the same when I play Xbox. My emotional response when I lose, I'm a sore loser. If you were playing me on the Xbox and I'm losing... I'm not the nicest person to be around, but especially when I'm playing it by myself because I don't want the shame of losing a game on my professional career as an Xbox player. So I will get up, if I'm losing bad and I know that I can't win, I will get up and unplug the Xbox because I don't want it saving the failure. I want to be a winner. But you do irrational things when you're angry, whether you're building a tank pad and you can't make the thing level or you're playing a ridiculous game that has no bearing on your life. You do irrational things when you're angry. But as we live a life that is transformed by Jesus, as we allow Him to change our circumstances and ourselves, anger becomes replaced with God's characteristics, with His emotional response. And I have 10 minutes to do three applications and I'm going to power through them. So how do, we, how do we live out a life that is quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger? Well, James, he answers it further down in his writings. He says in James 1, 21 to 25, So this is why we abandon everything morally impure and all forms of wicked conduct. Instead, with a sensitive spirit, we absorb God's word. 
which has been implanted within our nature for the word of life has power to continually deliver us. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message, you become like a person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of your face at the beginning. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth that they hear and they are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessings in all they do. You want to be quick to listen? Well, you have to begin to absorb God's word. It says instead with a sensitive spirit, we absorb God's word, which has been implanted within our nature. You want to hear from heaven? You want to hear the the voice of Jesus? Keep reading your Bible. It's really simple. If you don't have a Bible today, we would love to get you one. Allow the the truths of heaven, the promises of heaven to be soared in your hearts and in your minds. Absorb what God has inspired writers, authors to write. I mentioned before how so many people are searching for something. It's because the longing for God, the longing for relationship with Jesus is implanted in our hearts. And fulfillment will only ever come by hearing from your Creator, whether that is audibly or through His written Word. We can be quick to listen when we absorb God's Word. Slow to speak. To be slow to speak, we have to respond to God's Word. We have to allow that transformation to take place. It says, don't just listen to the Word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So always let His Word become like poetry, written and fulfilled by your life. This morning I started with Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And the transformation that takes place as we live a life following Jesus. And our journey with Jesus is an ongoing transformation of our hearts and of our minds. And the Greek word in Romans 12, verse 2, talking about being transformed, is the same word used when we, we see the transfiguration of Jesus. That means God wants us to to have our minds and our hearts so transformed to be totally changed, to be totally different to how they are before we know Jesus. We need to consistently remind ourselves and allow God to not only change our circumstances, but to also change our human conditions. That as we fulfill God's word, we begin to be transformed. We have the ability, we develop the ability to wait when we pause We allow God's wisdom to speak through us. No longer do we speak rash words, but rather words with weight behind them, words that are inspired by heaven. Slow to anger. We have to live out God's words to be slow to reach a point of anger. It says, But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth that they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. You have to live out the message of Jesus. The moment sin entered the world in the garden as Adam and Eve chose to do their own thing, we see the the introduction of the human condition. We see all these different emotions that are now available and responses that are available to us as individuals that I think we were never prepared to express. 
especially in our broken, error, sinful ways, that we don't have the capacity to, to express our emotions as God intended us to. And anger was one of these emotional responses that we now experience as part of life. And it's irrational and it doesn't reflect the heart of God. To be free of anger, to be slow to reach a point of anger, we must live out God's word. Where we allow the transformation to take place in our lives. We allow the correction to happen in our lives that we set aside the former things, our previous responses, and consciously choose to respond like Jesus. Because really we can't live a life like Jesus if we are quick to anger, if our response is human anger. You know, this morning I, I, I pray that that encouraged you and that Jesus is just as interested in changing your very being as he is your circumstance. And this morning I, I just felt Jesus wanted to remind people that as much as you want your circumstance to change, he also wants to change what is happening in your life. That we would begin the transformation of how we respond to people and situations. And we, we do that by allowing God to change our heart. And ultimately, our words are an overflow of our heart. And I think it's one of the truest measures of God's work in our lives. And Jesus alludes to it in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. He says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Another way maybe to put that is, For out of the lack of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, whether we have abundance or whether we have lack, it is going to overflow from our mouth. So to experience the transformation that God has for us, we have to open our hearts as well as our circumstance. We must let God transform ourselves as much as our situations. And as we consume the Word, as we choose to be quick to listen, we maintain our hearts, we make it healthy and whole. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Why don't we stand this morning together? I'd love to pray for you. Well, Jesus, this morning, God, I pray that you would just reveal to us areas in our life that you would love to transform. As much as our circumstance, we want change, God, let us be prepared to change ourselves. Jesus, let us be quick to listen in a world that doesn't listen. God, let us be slow to speak in a world that is full of accusation. And Jesus, let us not reach a point of anger in our responses, but rather as we wait on you, that we speak words that are inspired by heaven. God, that we speak rational words, rational thoughts, that we express you in all that we do. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Everyone's eyes are closed and heads about it. This morning I've talked a lot about the, the transformation that takes place in our lives as we begin to follow Jesus. That our circumstances change and we ourselves change. And that might be a, a totally new thought for you this morning. Maybe you've never heard of the, the transformation or the wholeness or the fulfilment that exists in following Jesus. And I would love to pray for you this morning. I would love to, to see you come and enter a relationship with Jesus. 
You know, we, we will never find fulfillment in the world. We will continue to strive and search and look for answers, but the answers are found in the creator of the heavens and the earth. And this morning, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, you don't know Jesus, I just ask for you to, to put up your hand. No one's looking around. For you to, to find fulfillment in Jesus, to begin a, a process of seeing your life transformed, if that's you this morning, I would love to pray for you. So why don't you just stick up your hand? No one's looking. It's one of the, the bravest decisions you could make, surrendering your life to Jesus and allowing Him to begin to transform you and your circumstance. Thank you, Jesus. Another group of people this morning I'd love to pray for. Maybe you have made a decision to follow Jesus before, but for whatever reason, you just know that He is not the center of your world. You, you've been seeking fulfillment or answers in other places, but you would like to, to bring Jesus back to the center. You'd like to begin to see your life transformed again. I would love to pray for you. So why don't you shoot up your hand real quick. No one's looking around. It's a moment between you and God. Thank you, Jesus. Yep, one hand, I see that. Let me put that down. Awesome. Well, God, I thank you that not only do you see our outward response, our physical response by raising our hands, God, but you see the response that takes place in our hearts. God, and I pray for each person as they responded this morning that you would confirm the decision that they've made this week, that you would speak to them, God, whether that's audibly or whether that's through the Bible, Jesus, that this week they would know you, that they would understand the transformation that is taking place in their life. In your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You guys are awesome. Before we go, we're going to pray together as a church. It's something we do every week and not for the sake of doing it every week, but reminding ourselves that we find our fulfillment, we find who we are in Jesus. So let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I'll follow you. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Have an amazing week. Pastor Michael Slater is going to tell you what to do next.